Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 37 through 49. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles, or you may look on the screen as we read this scripture together. This is the word of our Lord, verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Verse 39. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Verse 41. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out that speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Verse 47. Therefore, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation of the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, it immediately fell, and the ruin of that house was great. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, good morning, my beloved family and friends in Christ. We now live in this challenging time of COVID-19. We, as a church, we desire to love and care for one another and for our neighbours. So in order to fight the possible spread of the virus, we are practising social distancing as required by authorities. And we have moved our services online. So let me welcome you to the first of our online worship services. We'll be doing this for the next few Sundays. To our friends visiting with us online this morning, I'm Oliver, 
I'm one of the pastors serving on the elders team here at Grace Baptist Church. I'm delighted that all of us, though we cannot be here physically, have at least gathered together to participate in worship online. Before we start, because we believe the Bible is God's word to us and can only be fully understood with God's help, let us pray. O Father God, make your word live to us. Show us yourself within your word. Show us ourselves and show us our need for our Saviour. And make your word live to us so that your Holy Spirit through your word can change us, your people, to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You know, I have a dear friend who grew up in a church some 20 years ago. That church my friend was part of claimed to follow Jesus and obey the Bible, but they had a harsh and condemning spirit towards people. They treated people who, who did not follow their mostly man-made rules of Christian living badly. They were judgmental and they were more interested in rule-keeping and less about offering the grace of the gospel. As a result of this lack of gospel love in their actions and words, that church misrepresented Jesus and many people were hindered from hearing the gospel. You know, I, 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 and I was not surprised to hear that when the young people grew up and could make their own decisions, many left that church. Some even given up on Christianity. Sadly, the same judgmental spirit still happens in our churches today. It happens when we judge people's motives, wrongly assuming that we know why they did what they did. It happens when we withhold forgiveness from people who have done us wrong. It happens when we criticize the sin of, that other people commit more than we repent of our own unrighteousness or our self-righteousness. This is not the way that Jesus taught us to treat people. And when we do act in such ways, it should not surprise us that other people want nothing to do with the good news of Jesus. It is to this very issue that God's word in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 to 49 speaks to us today. For those of us who have been following our sermon series, we are in Luke 6. We have seen prior of how Jesus had appointed the 12 apostles and demonstrated his authority in both his words and his wondrous works. Jesus then preached what is known to many as a sermon on the plain and told his gathered disciples that they will face persecution, but they will also receive blessings. And as Eugene, Pastor Eugene preached two Sundays ago, in the midst of persecution, Jesus' disciples were to love others, especially their enemies. Jesus' disciples were to love others generously, behaving like the sons of the Most High, for God is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. 
in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, Jesus calls us, calls us as his disciples, the citizens of God's kingdom, to be merciful, even as God our Father is merciful. So Luke chapter 6, verse 37 to 49, which we'll cover today, this text tells us how and why, as believers, we ought to be loving and merciful. How can we then as church love and show mercy to one another? Why ought we as church act in this way? Verses 37 to 42 tells us how we as Jesus' disciples ought to love one another in the context of the community of disciples. Or in our case, how we ought to love one another in church, as church. We love each other by not being judgmental in our relationships. Verses 43 to 49 tells us why as church we ought to love in this way. It's because our hearts have been changed when we trusted in Jesus Christ. Our hearing and doing of what Jesus taught will give proof of our changed hearts. So my friends, for those of you at home, if you have a Bible with you, please turn with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 37 to 49, and keep your Bible open as we hear Jesus' words to us today. You know, verse 37 is likely the most quoted Bible verse by non-Christians. Okay? Do not judge and you will not be judged. Christians are often told by non-Christians when we share our convictions from the Bible, do not judge. I know, I've been accused of being judgy. In our day and age, being tolerant is of ultimate value. On the other hand, judging is often abused by some Christians. We use the biblical command to discern right and wrong as an excuse, and we veer towards self-righteous criticism and condemnation of others. So it's timely that we hear Jesus' words to us today on judging. So please follow with me in your Bibles as we look at verses 37 to 42. These verses, please take note that these verses follows Jesus' command in verse 36. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So Jesus here, he's speaking to his disciples to further explain how we can be merciful. He tells his disciples in the context of the community of faith or the church now, how to show love and mercy in our relationships to one another. And in verses 37 to 38, Jesus uses four doing verbs, four verbs. Judge not, condemn not, forgive and give. Jesus' disciples are not to form hasty conclusions about another believer, nor are we to criticize and disapprove of them. Rather, what we are to do is we are not to feel angry and resentful and to cancel their debts towards us, to forgive them instead. We are to give and do good to them instead. Why are we to do so? Verse 38, look with me to verse 38. Verse 38 tells us, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. 
For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. What Jesus says at the end of verse 38 can be taken either positively or negatively. If we judge people with harsh condemnation, then we ourselves will be judged and condemned. And my friends, we have seen this in our relationships as well, no? If we are critical of others, it's likely they'll respond back to us with criticism as well. When I criticize my colleague, it's likely that they will do likewise to me. But at the beginning of verse 38, it makes it clear that Jesus expects something from us, his disciples, something better. And the picture given is, in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. This picture given is entirely positive. What it does is it draws on a picture of an ancient grain seller and how she measures grain out to her customer. It pictures a full blessing that is given. Literally, a lap full of blessing. This is the abundant grace that God gives his disciples when we show grace to fellow sinners like ourselves. God is gracious to the gracious and generous with the generous, pouring a full measure of blessing right into our laps. And sometimes this happens in the present life because we realize as we obey God's command and forgive others, we too ourselves are forgiven in turn. Okay? Sometimes God in this present life caused His people to prosper, but sometimes not. But regardless of whether we receive a full measure now or not, we will definitely receive it later when we enter the abundant joy of heaven. So does this mean we can earn God's favour when we forgive and give? No. Rather, when we give and forgive, it proves that we ourselves have been forgiven. We have experienced forgiveness because it shows the grace of God working in our hearts. This is what Jesus has done for us. He has forgiven our sins through the cross. But more than that, He has really granted us the abundant free gift of everlasting life. Now Jesus calls us to give the people who wrong us more grace than they deserve by forgiving them. And note this, my friends. Jesus models for us what it means to be giving and forgiving. He showed mercy to sinners by offering them the gift of His life. So in His warnings not to be judgmental and in His command to be generous, Jesus was really telling His disciples to be like Him. This seems to be the point of the verses that follow where Jesus tells three parables, not one but three parables, one after another. The first, in Luke 6.39, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? This parable is fairly obvious, fairly pointed. We ought to be careful who we choose to follow. If we follow someone who cannot see where he is going, we might just follow him right into the longkang, into the drain. 
Jesus' disciples ought to follow Jesus. Luke 6.40 tells us, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. The point of this verse, the general principle in this verse is like teacher, like student. When a disciple chose which master he wanted to follow, he was choosing what kind of person he would become. Jesus' disciples ought to follow Jesus by faith. So that as we hear and do Jesus' words, we will continue to grow to become like Jesus. The third of the three parables rings with almost an improbable humour. Verses 41 to 42. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take out the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Verse 41 tells us that as fallen sinners, we tend to see clearly the minor issues that, we, that our brother has, while having the tendency to ignore the major issues in our very own lives. You know, by now, some of us might think that Jesus is telling us not to judge others at all or that we shouldn't judge at all since we also struggle with sin. But this is not so, by no means. After all, if we look at the, this verse, the, the verses here, we are to take out the speck that is in our brother's eyes. And Scripture in Matthew 18 and 1 Corinthians 5 tells us, the church, it tells us to discern and judge sin in our midst. We are to confront sinners and urge them to repent and pursue holiness. So Jesus isn't against judging. What we see here is this. What Jesus is against is against unexamined, hypocritical, self-righteous judging. We ought to first take the lock in, in our eyes, out of our eyes, we need to examine ourselves and go before God in repentance and faith for our own sins and failures. And the thing is this, my friends, when we do this, when we recognize that we are likewise struggling sinners, it will often make us more tender and compassionate when we approach our brother. And we must not be self-righteous and judgmental. And how can we tell when we are judgmental? How can we discern that we are judgmental? A judgmental person is someone who reaches unjust conclusions about someone else's motives. He or she is usually quick to criticize, usually putting things in the worst possible light, but slow to forgive. Someone who is judgmental also lacks any sense of proportion. Small offences receive the same angry response that ought to be reserved for the most serious sins. Does that sound like us? 
This is what Jesus is warning against. A judgmental and condemning perspective towards others that holds them down in guilt and never seek to encourage them to grow towards God. Or evaluating others with such harshness that the result is an unforgiving attitude with an approach that ceases to hold out hope. We act as if someone is already beyond God's reach. My friends, neither way offer gospel love and hope. This is not the way of Jesus. As Jesus' disciples who follow our Master Jesus Christ, we ought to love each other by not being judgmental in our relationships and yet offering the hope of the gospel. My friends, have you been judgmental of others? Have you been self-righteous and hypocritical in your judging of others? And I confess that I struggle with this very issue this past week. You know, now that we are encouraged to work from home because of the COVID-19, it means that we have more time for family interaction. Yeah, Winnie is laughing there. And also because we have more time for family interaction, there's more time for us to have relational friction with one another at home. I was quarreling with a family member over household chores left or undone. And I was, as I was reading this, through this passage again this morning in preparation for this sermon, I realized on hindsight, I also left some chores undone. And my first words in our conversation led with the words, you are always like that. Definitely not a model for tenderness and compassion. My words were laced with criticism and condemnation. I think I need to go home and ask for forgiveness. My friends, have you had interactions like that with your family this week as well, maybe this past week? Maybe you also have to ask for forgiveness for your self-righteous critical judging. Closer to home as a church, what about our responses brought about by this COVID-19 as a church? You know, I've heard some older ones judging the younger ones as being reckless when they continue to interact with others during the week over meals and meetings. They feel that the younger ones were not caring for others by potentially exposing themselves and others to increase risk of infection. I've also heard from the younger ones, judging the older ones, that they lack trust in God. They feel that taking, after taking all the recommended precautions, they should continue to seek community as the Bible commands. The evidence right now is all of us are at risk of inf infection, right? But the older ones are more vulnerable to complications that happen once they get infected. So we need to show understanding to one another. And after all, after we have taken all the wise and necessary precautions as recommended, the amount of risk we can afford and tolerate while seeking to follow Christ's commands for community varies with individual circumstances and our own conscience. So my friends, we need to understand that. So we need to avoid critical judging 
but rather seek to love one another by reaching out to one another via remote means or by snail mail and continue to pray for each other. GBC, let us practice love by not being judgmental of one another during this time. Let us reach out with love, grace and mercy towards one another. And for this last question, it's in the sermon outline in your online ministry guide under reflection questions. For today, we're going to do something slightly different. I will pause for a while as you spend time writing down your responses for this question. So the question, do you tend to be quick to judge others or do you tend to avoid helping them see their sin at all? What changes do you have to make so that they can love others better? Let me repeat that. Do you tend to be quick to judge others or do you tend to avoid helping them see their sin at all? What changes do you have to make so, you can love, so that you can love others better? Take some time now to write down your responses. And after this service online, I urge you to take 10 to 15 minutes and spend time with your family and friends in your homes and share your responses to these reflection questions. So write your questions, your answers for the first reflection question right now. You know, during the durian season, I've seen many uncles and aunties foraging for durian fruit in the catchment forest. They know that they'll find durian fruit under durian trees because a durian tree will bear durian fruit. Jesus likewise uses the illustration from nature in verses 43 to 45 about trees and fruit. And this illustration follows the exaltation from before for us as Jesus' disciples to show love for others by not being judgmental. And in these following verses, Jesus tells us why we as believers, why we ought to not be judgmental, why we as church, we ought not to be judgmental. Verses 43 to 44 tells us, a good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. Each tree will bear fruit after its own kind. A durian tree will bear durian fruit. Fig comes from fig trees, grapes from grape vines, and apples from apples tree. So what does this principle here mean for us? Pastor and author Paul Tripp writes, If a tree produces bad apple year after year, there is something drastically wrong with its systems down to its very roots. And I won't solve the problem by stapling new apples onto the branches. Imagine that, stapling apples onto the branches. 
they, will, they also will rot because they will not be attached to a life-giving root system. And next spring, I will have the same problem again. I will not see a new crop of healthy apples because my solution has not gone down to the heart of the problem. If the tree's roots remains unchanged, it will never produce good apples. The point is, in personal ministry, much of what we do to produce growth and change in ourselves and others often is little more than fruit stapling. We attempt to exchange apples for apples without examining the heart, the root behind the behaviour. And this is a challenge in our churches as well. We tend to want to produce change by fruit stapling. That is, we focus on external behaviour modification and change without paying attention to the root behind the behaviour. That is our heart. And this is the danger of legalism. The heart here refers to our inner being, our affections, our thoughts, our desires. And Jesus tells us it is out of our heart that our actions and words flow. Jesus tells us in verse 45, in verse 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We need to be honest with ourselves and with God. The truth is what we do and say is always in character. Our words and actions reflect what is in our hearts. It's not because we had a bad day, we had someone who treated us badly. The way we respond with our words and actions reflects, reveals what is truly in our hearts. It is out of the good treasure of our hearts that produces good and the evil treasures of our heart that produces evil. We do what we do because of what we love and treasure. What we treasure, what we value, or the word used is what we worship, or who we worship, will come out in our words and actions. As author Paul Tripp writes in another book, it's very tempting to blame others or blame the situation around us. But word problems reveal heart problems. The people and situation around us do not make us say what we say. They are only the occasion for our hearts to reveal themselves in words. We say what is in our hearts. And in the context of these verses, our judgmental, critical, condemning words reveal our judgmental, critical, condemning hearts. And our hearts desperately need a change. Anyone who has not yet come to Christ in faith, that is, personally trusting Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, our sins and receiving the free gift of eternal life through His death and resurrection, we need a new heart. But this gives us hope because the truth is anyone can have a new heart. The problem of our heart is the very problem the gospel of Jesus Christ addresses. 
Therefore, all of us, all we have to do for all of us is to ask, praying that God will give us a new heart and a new life in Christ and that our hearts will be transformed. For Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. My friends, if you want to change your heart, if you want to change, then your heart needs to be transformed. And this happened when you trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's Spirit will come and dwell in you and you will be given a new heart. And if you have not trusted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, I speak to my friends who have, are non-Christians, know this, that Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, came to seek and save the lost. Acknowledge that you are lost in your sin and self-centeredness. Believe that Jesus Christ came to seek you he died on the cross and was raised to life so that you can be saved from the penalty of your sins. And then come to Jesus and trust in Him. And Jesus' Spirit will do a work of heart transformation in you. And for my Christian friends, we realize that yet even after we come to Christ, that our sins' issues are still heart issues. So as we struggle with sin, we need to ask God to do a heart-changing work of grace in us, which God does by the powerful inward work of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough to simply change our outward actions. It's not enough to staple fruits. The real change needs to take place inside. This means repenting of the evil desires in our sinful hearts, it means putting to death our love for ourselves and the things of this world. It means asking God to replace those old sinful desires with new love and affection for Jesus Christ and His holiness. Once our hearts are in the right place, then and only then will we begin to bear good spiritual fruit. The abundant harvest that comes from having a new heart. Why then ought we as believers in church show love by not being judgmental? It is because this fruit of our words and actions is proof of our new life in Christ. My friend, take another minute to answer this next question. How might you be at risk of fruit stapling? How might you be at risk of fruit stapling? Maybe fruit stapling means you maintain a cover of harmony while avoiding the person you have issues with. Perhaps you need to seek reconciliation and forgiveness today. How might you be at risk of fruit stapling? What would heart change look like for you? What would a changed heart look like for you? Maybe right now you need to repent of being critical and condemning of someone in the church. Ask now for God to forgive you and to change your heart attitude for the person. Take a minute to fill in your responses.
My friends, I was with a young couple and their four-year-old son some months back. We had lunch and we were walking around in an open area in a mall and I was given the privilege of looking after their son or maybe they just wanted me to babysit, I don't know. But, but I told the son, don't run too far away from me, okay? Stay close to me. And he said, okay, Ollie. Okay, Uncle Ollie. He responded, so he hurt me. So I expected him to stay close to me. And you can guess what happened next. He started running around me. And as he ran, he got more and more excited. Soon, he started running away from me. And I started walking briskly to keep up with him. He ran further and further away. And I now had to jog after him. I called back. I called to him, come back, don't run away. And he called back, laughing. Yes, Uncle Ollie. So he hurt me. But again, he continued running away. I think he got excited and thought that it was fun. But I thought so much for hearing what I said. He heard my words, but did not do them. In verses 46 to 49, Jesus tells his disciples that they should both hear Jesus' words and do them. Jesus spoke with his disciples about root and fruit in verses 43 to 45 because he wanted them to do what he said. And this is clear from the question he asked at the end of the parable. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Luke 6, 46. Apparently by then, there were already some hypocrites among the followers of Christ. They had been listening to Jesus teach and they were identifying themselves as his disciples. They even called him Lord which was a term of respect for his teaching authority. They did not do what Jesus said, however, which was the main thing that really mattered. They were not living the good life that came from transformed hearts. And we see the same thing in church today, don't we? People call themselves Christians. They talk about Christ, but they have many of the same sinful attitudes and are guilty of many of the same sinful actions as everyone else. These verses conclude Jesus' sermon on the plain. So in his context specifically, the disciples have heard Jesus' words to love their enemies, to love each other, and not to be judgmental towards one another. However, they were not doing Jesus' words. They were not loving their enemies. They were not loving each other. And they continued to be harshly judgmental with other disciples. My friends, are we guilty of the same sinful actions? We see in verse 47, there is a progression for the true disciple that follows Christ. A true disciple comes to Jesus he hears Jesus' words and he does them. And Jesus tells the last parable in this sermon to illustrate what this man will be like. And he tells us this in verses 48 to 49. 
when we do what Jesus says, not just hearing it, but actually obeying His words, we lay a solid foundation that can withstand all the trials of life. This is then the main point of this parable. It is the doer, not the hearer, whose life is solid as the rock. The man Jesus described in his parable dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And building his house costs him something. Just as living the Christian life for us takes effort, it takes discipline to work at understanding the scriptures. It takes patience to persevere in prayer. It takes courage to put sinful desires to death. It takes dedication to grow in new areas of obedience. It takes sacrifice to serve others instead of ourselves. Above all, it takes radical dependence on Jesus Christ, trusting and taking Jesus at His word, obeying Jesus' words. My friends, when we take time to build the right spiritual foundation though, we are ready for anything, including all the storms of life. Come what may, COVID-19 or any other trial or suffering, our foundation will hold. Anchor your life to the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Dig deep by obeying His word. Build a life that is strong enough to withstand every trial and tribulation. But sadly, not everyone has a solid spiritual foundation. Jesus ends with a warning. Jesus finished his parable by making a contrast. But the one who hears Jesus' words and does not do them is like the man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke up against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. Jesus ended his sermon with a sober tone with a sharp warning. The one who comes to Jesus, hears his words, but does not do them, will not have a foundation. And when the floods of trials and tribulations arose, they will come. And when they arose, the stream of suffering broke against his house, they, suffering will come. The house fell and was ruined. Sad to say, the same thing is true of church-going people who call themselves Christians but are not living for Christ. They hear what Jesus says, but they don't do what Jesus says. And as a result, they do not have any real foundation for their lives. My friends, this is sobering. My friends, heed Jesus' warning. What kind of life are you building? Are you digging deep down into the solid rock of Jesus Christ? What kind of fruit are you yielding? Is it all talk? Just talk about a Christian life. Or are you walking in obedient faith to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ? We can tell what kind of heart we have by the kind of fruit we are growing. We can tell what kind of life we are building by seeing what happens when the storms comes. The kind of life we build is proof of our transformed heart or a lack of it. So my friends, this is serious matter. 
And as we end with this final reflection question, take another minute to write down your responses. How might you be at risk of just hearing and not doing? How might you be at risk of just hearing and not doing? What would hearing and doing what Jesus says look like for you? What would hearing and doing what Jesus says look like for you? Take this last minute as our pianist plays uh, um, a song. Take this last minute to think on this question and I'll close us in prayer. Come, let us pray together. Father God, we thank you that Jesus Christ has not left us on our own. Jesus came to seek and save us, the lost. And Jesus speaks to us and left us his words in Scripture. Lord, I pray that we will examine our hearts and turn back to you in repentance and faith. Lord, I pray that we will not only hear your words but do them. Lord, change our hearts so that GBC will be a community that loves one another, showing mercy and grace to one another in both our words and deeds. We pray this together for the glory of Jesus Christ and for the sake of His gospel. In Jesus' name we pray.